everybody. Hope you're going well. We've got a great story to read today that comes from Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 43. So I'm going to go straight into it. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I even touch his garments, I'll be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, and John and James, the brother of John. John the John, the brother of James. <laughs> they came to the house of the ruler at the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him, and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha, kumai, which means, Little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this, and told them to give her something to eat. Jesus is the king. We've been talking about that all year, but here you see his kingship in an incredible way. He is the king over healing and he is the king over death and over life and over resurrection. And uh, what, what an amazing, what an amazing, well, two stories really, two stories mixed up together. The woman was in a sense healed, wasn't she? Uh, was in a sense brought back to life, really, that woman, because uh, her uncleanness meant that she had a, a separation from the community. She was dead in relationships in, in really the same way as a leper was. And this little girl, she was brought back to life too. The, Jesus gives uh, life in an incredible way here. 
So beginning at the start, Jesus crossed over to the boat to the, in the boat to the other side and he came across a man named Jairus who was an important leader. He was a leader in the synagogue and he comes to Jesus and he has a great belief that Jesus could heal his daughter and that if he if Jesus was even to touch her, that she'd be made alive and well. Uh, Jairus, as a synagogue leader, he probably had seen Jesus before, or at least he'd heard about him. But in any case, when he came to Jesus, he had a really sure hope, a faith, that Jesus could and would heal her. And he falls at her feet, and he pleads with, he pleads with, um, Jesus. Now, in Luke, we're told that this uh, daughter is his only child. So you can see the fear uh, that he has about her death. She is at the point of death, which means she's really sick. She's not, uh, you know, just got a fever or something. This is someone who is uh, weak and, and soon to be dead, and, and, and they knew that. But as they start out in the journey, there's a huge crowd. I guess they're following along. They're milling against Jesus. They're pushing against him. They're touching him. And we're told that in this great crowd, there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. She'd suffered much under many physicians and had spent all the time, uh, sorry, spent all she had, but she wasn't getting any better. So this woman, uh, this, this, she probably had a, a chronic hemorrhage, which probably means from the womb, uh, something like that. And uh, she came hoping that Jesus would heal her. She'd been bleeding for 12 years. That's, that's a long, long time. She'd seen a number of doctors and that had only just sent her broke. She had no money left. In fact, it says that those doctors and their treatment had actually caused more pain and more suffering for her. Now, they actually know some of the things that uh, they did in those days uh, to try and stop uh, bleeding uh, in this way, and, and they fed concoctions of wine and rubber and alum and plants or even sometimes wine with onions, yuck, onions, and... Um, and sometimes the doctors actually prescribed a sudden shock, yet yeah, not an electric shock, but you had to shock the person and that that would stop the bleeding. And uh, none of this had worked. And also this type of bleeding would mean that that woman was unclean. She was shunned by the people around her and by the community. Uh, even touching her would make other people unclean. And so uh, she snuck up to Jesus and she supposedly not supposed to be in the crowd because she's unclean and she didn't tell anybody else and she just thought if I could just sneak up and touch his garments I would be made well she also like Jairus had a, a fair confidence that Jesus could heal her uh, she had faith Maybe maybe that faith was mixed up with a bit of superstition and magic or, or whatever, uh, but she believed that just by touching him, she could be healed. Uh, she understood something of Jesus, but she misunderstood some things as well, and we find out how that works out in a minute. But she misunderstood the personal nature of God's power in healing and restoration. 
And she, and she also misunderstood the fact that Jesus or God in healing is not just on about physical healing. Uh, he's on about a full and complete restoration. And, and this misunderstanding can, can come, and we'll talk more about this in a minute, even, even in modern days in churches, where people, they highlight healing as a sort of a sideshow without seeing the full work of God and what he wants to do. And so then the churches and healing services can become more like superstitions and certain ways of doing things to try and force God to do what we want him to do rather than uh, the full uh, revelation of his mercy and grace. Um, it's a bit like that old story, uh, and apparently it's true, that if you, um, uh, if you get a pigeon in a cage, and then uh, if that pigeon, at a certain time, you just wait until it lifts its left leg and then drop a grain to it, it will then start lifting its left leg, believing that it's in control of the grain that's dropping. And then if you get it to lift its left leg and then wait and it turns its head, then you then then drop the grain in, it'll lift its le- lift its leg, turn its head, lift its leg, turn its head, drop the grain. And you can get it doing whole strings of actions because it actually believes that it's in control of the grain of wheat, which it actually has nothing to do with. And what people can do is believe that they have control over healing by doing things just the right way, by doing, going through certain processes and whatever, that you're actually in control of the living God. And you miss the point that healing is an act of God's grace and mercy and his intention is not just to heal physically because in the long run that's pointless. God has an intention to heal this woman, but not just physically. And we see this as it works out. So as soon as she touches Jesus, immediately the flow of blood dries up and she knows in her body that she's been healed. She, she just knows that she, she, something changes, she feels it, and she, she has intentions to slip away into the crowd unnoticed and just to go back healed. But Jesus says, perceiving that power had gone out from him. So that power means it's the power of God. Um, the, the woman was healed in accordance with the power of God and in accordance with his will, because no one can be healed without it being God's will. There's, there's no magic trick you can do to make healing without it being God's will. And, and no one's healed by God unless it's by his free and gracious decision. So Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned around to the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And, and the disciples say, Everybody's touching you. They're pushing in on you. We can hardly walk through this crowd. And, and no, Jesus says, Who touched me? And he kept looking around. Now we've seen, and I'm sorry to go on a bit of a tangent here, but it's an important tangent again, that, that we've seen in many cases, Jesus asks questions, not because he doesn't know the answer, but because he wants to draw out a response from the person he's asking the question to. And I, I want to go back over this just a, again because it's important to see why would God ask us questions? Because uh, you know that when he, dis, when, when he calmed the storm, he said to the disciples, where is your faith? Why was he saying that? Because he didn't know. 
No, he was saying that because he wanted them to see that what was going on was crucial for them to understand their faith in God, to trust God. And he asked later a, a, a young teacher, a young man, he said, why do you call me good? Did he? Because he wants to expose the fact that that young man thinks he, he himself is good when only God is good. And he says to an expert in the law, what does the law say about these things? Is that because Jesus didn't know the law? No, he was actually using it to expose the man's self-righteousness. And, he, and God asked Job at that point, where were you when I created the whole universe, Job? Is that because God didn't know? No, God wanted to show Job that he, his, his thinking was small when he's trying to question God's justice when he can't see God's sovereign plan for all things. And God asked uh, Adam and Eve, Why, where, where are you hiding? Is that because God can't see where they are? He knows everything. No, he wanted to expose the guilt and the separation that their sin had caused. He also asked the man, "Is it law?" It's asked the people. Sorry, is it lawful to, to to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil to save life or to kill? That's he knows the answer to these things. What I'm saying, you know, he said, "What's easier to for, to forgive a man's sins or to heal him?" What why Jesus asks is because this woman needs to be exposed for something that's going on. He says to the woman, who touched me? Because he's going to do something which is of far greater importance for her than just her physical healing. And so the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came forward, she came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. She spilled her guts. She said everything that's going on, she owns up, She's not where she's supposed to be, but she secretly touched him and she trusted him to heal him. And, and she'd been sick for 12 years. She, she tells the whole story and she's actually quite terrified. Mainly her terror was probably there because she knows his power, but she has his guilt and shame. Have I done the wrong thing? And as soon as she tells him the whole truth, as she confesses in a sense uh, where she's at and what she's done, he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Can you see what Jesus has done here? He has allowed uh, her to own her healing and her faith publicly and, and personally. He showed her that her faith has done this. And he's saying, now don't just think this is because you touched my garments. And this is not because of that. This is because you believed in me, the one who can heal you. This is because I'm the king. That's what Jesus is saying. And he says, go in peace. You don't need to be secretive about this. You can say to people, Jesus healed me. That's why I'm healed. You know, I've, been, I've had this issue for 12 years and now I'm healed. That's because Jesus did it. And he said, go in peace. Right? I don't need to have guilt and shame. He's allowed her to be clean. She's free. She can go on her way rejoicing because he hasn't just healed her physically. He's brought a complete restoration, not a pastoral, uh, sorry, partial or a weak restoration, total and complete and, 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 and awesome, eternal. You see, have, have you ever noticed, well, I don't know, some translations say this differently, but, you know, in James 5, when he speaks about healing, is any one of you suffering, James five thirteen? let him pray, and is anyone cheerful, let him sing praise. If anyone's among you sick, let him call for the elders of the church, let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. 
and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. Now, most uh, many translations don't say um, the prayer of faith will save him. It actually says, and the prayer of faith will heal, heal the one who is sick. But you see, the, the Greek says, the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. What's James saying? Yeah, yeah, there's healing, but God is on a bigger mission than just healing. He's on about a complete restoration. Salvation, he's on about. Things of eternal value, not just temporary value. A complete restoration. And then he says, and if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven too. In other words, you don't just want healing without forgiveness of sins. That would be a temporary value. What's, what's the point of healing a person that made well to live in guilt and sin and end up in hell? You see, in, 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 the, in the Gospels, healing is called signs. It's a sign that points to something. What? Well, it points to someone. It points to Jesus, the King, the one who we need to have faith in, the one who forgives sins. Don't just look for a miracle. Look for a saviour who will save you completely. And this is what Jesus does. Miracles are signs. Don't love the miracle. Love the saviour. Healing without... when If people try and have healing times without preaching the good news of Jesus, it can actually be destructive and dangerous because it, often it's just, look at me, I can heal people. As if we can heal anyone. We can't do that. But you see, what Jesus is doing is he singles out this woman he, publicly in front of a big crowd, a bit of an embarrassing moment really, so that she can confess her situation, so that he can know that it's her faith that's healed her. Now look, it's your faith, it's your trust in me that will save you. And then he says, and go in peace. It's a bit like, you know, the time Jesus, uh, uh, there was that woman who anointed, uh, washed Jesus' feet with her tears and then she anointed him with expensive perfume. And and then Jesus gets into this conversation with Simon the Pharisee that's at his house, right in front of her, and, and like all, having a conversation about her without even talking to her. And, because, and Jesus exposes the fact that you're talking to this woman like she's nothing. You think she's nothing. And then Jesus says to her, your sins are forgiven. And then the people question this and he says to her again, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Peace. Jesus brings healing. He brings forgiveness. He brings restoration. He brings salvation. And he wants the person to know it. He wants believers to be saved, but he also wants believers to live with a knowledge of salvation with assurance and peace to live in the fullness of God, that is, the fullness of knowing Jesus and the incredible grace and love that he has for us. Look, if, if you're a parent, maybe this is a sidetrack, but you've got to love your children and you love them in action, and, but it brings children also an incredible peace when they know they're loved, when they know for sure, when you tell them. That's probably a poor example, but what I'm saying is this. God brings a restoration, he brings a salvation, but he also wants his people, his children, to know his love and grace for them, to know his peace. And so for this woman, it wasn't good enough that she would just go home healed. 
and then think that Jesus is some magic man. She needed to know that it was her faith that healed her and she needed to go in peace knowing she'd been fully restored. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house someone who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the the teacher anymore? Jesus overheard what they said and he said, do not fear, only believe. For old Jairus, he had had to wait through this conversation, knowing his, his daughter was about to die, wait through this conversation with this other, other woman. Hopefully, he had confidence uh, from what he saw happen to her. But Jesus is very pastoral here. He immediately says, don't fear, just believe, or just have faith. Don't be sad. Well... Fear, it's her only, it's again his only child. His fear would be great. And Jesus comforts him straight away. He doesn't want him to be in distress. And then he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John could go into the room and when they uh, go into the house. And when they came to this, uh, the house, there was this big commotion, there's weeping and wailing. And, and Jesus says, Why are you making all this noise weeping? The child's not dead, she's sleeping. And they laughed at him scornfully. So he put them all outside and he took just the parents of the girl and Peter, James and John into where the child was. Um, she's only sleeping. That's not because these people are thick. They know what death, they know what death looks like. They know what a dead person looks like. This, this child is dead. She's not breathing anymore. Her blood's not flowing. And they laughed at him, which might seem like a strange thing to do. Why, why are you laughing when there's, someone's died? But you see, there's this thing going on here. These people who are wailing and mourning, this is kind of uh, a custom that happened. When someone died, everybody came over and, 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 and wailed and, and cried out and did that. They're kind of going through their, their motions of what you do with mourning, but it's not necessarily heartfelt. Um, and Jesus got rid of all these these uh, professional mourners, in a sense. And he just took Peter, James and John, the girl's parents, into the room. Taking her by the hand, he said, Talitha kumai, meaning, little girl, I say to you, arise. And the girl is raised. She, she starts walking around immediately. And they were overcome with amazement. They would be. This is incredible. Luke eight fifty five in the same story, he says, and her spirit returned, just making the point. She wasn't just unconscious, she was dead. They were speechless, overcome with amazement. And he, and he told them, don't, don't make this widely known and give us something to eat. This child could walk around. She's fully restored. And they said, Jesus said, feed her. Like she still has the same physical needs of any other physical body. And of course, we know that one day this, this girl would die again. She's not alive today now. And her parents would die. And actually the disciples would die. But you see, were they the same now? Their life was completely changed. Because you see here... They knew what Jesus could do. 
They understood what their, where their faith would take them. They understood eternal life. Jesus lifted their eyes. Death no longer had any sting. This girl would never live with a fear of death again and her parents either because they go, you remember that Jesus, you know what he can do and we trust in him. They would live their lives with a joyful hope, including the disciples who, who gladly went to their death, bearing witness to this Jesus who they said right to the point of death was raised from the dead. Now, you wouldn't say that, that Jesus was raised from the dead if someone put a gun at your head unless you knew that he was raised from the dead. They had such a hope that their physical life meant nothing and even their death no longer meant anything. They knew who he was. They knew also that he was a saviour who brought full restoration, forgiveness, not just bodily. There's a healing that's coming for us which is wonderful and it is a resurrection after we die. But it's more than just a resurrection after we die. You see... God wants us to know there is a full relationship, a restored relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We have a restoration now. We have been reconciled to the Father. We can know him now. You don't want to be healed so you can go and live into the fullness of life and become rich and just, you know, have all the glories of life as we know them. You, we, need, we have a restoration which is a relationship with the Father. And there is nothing better in this life than to have that restoration, to have faith in Jesus as Saviour, and also to know that we have faith in Jesus as Saviour and to know what that faith will do. You have been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ and this is an incredible peace-giving and life-giving hope now and in the future for the eternal life that God has given us. You know, a similar thing happened later on when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And he said to Martha, just before he raised Lazarus, he said, Jesus, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So, so they, Martha understood and Jesus had obviously been teaching about the resurrection that will come. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Jesus is saying this. You'll all die, right? But those who believe in Jesus, even though they die, yet shall they live. And those who die and then live again because they believe in Jesus will never die again. Do you believe this? I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for the hope that you give us. We thank you that your restoration for us is complete. That you... Show us the depths of your love, that you show us who you are, that we might live in the fullness it is to live in relationship with you. We thank you that because of Jesus' death on the cross, you have forgiven our sins. Thank you that your power is at work in our lives, even today. 
And thank you that your will is to bring mercy and grace and that we know all the fullness of your mercy and grace given to us again through Jesus, your son. Father, we love you and we thank you for your compassion for us. We thank you that your love overflows to us in a way that that brings us such deep peace. And I pray that we would go through our lives with this deep peace that's come to us through the gospel being the foundation of all of our lives and that we would be unshakable in the hope that we have through Jesus, your son. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.